You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be looking back at Arsenal's 3-2 victory at Watford, a game that pushes Arsenal up into the top four and into fourth position with our games still in hand. A really significant result, a really, really Important victory for Mikel Arteta's side. Manchester United have lost the Manchester derby as well by four goals to one. Um, and it's just, you know, it, it's just another really good day and another really, really good weekend from an Arsenal perspective. We're going to focus, of course, on the Arsenal game. But we'll be talking about the two results and the implications that they have moving forward on the remainder of the season. A uh, big hello to everybody in the live chat box because there are plenty of you in the chat box with us this evening. Uh, I can see there's loads of you. Let me say a few hellos. Uh, don't, if I miss you, I apologise. It's just it's so busy in the chat box. Uh, big hello to uh, Moss, to Sakaya, to Creambone, to Dave, uh, to Peenyween, <laughs> uh, to Tony Smith, to Noah, to Tariq, to Paul, to Angry Guna. Um, to Paul James, to Raphael Lim, to Matt Tomo. Hope you guys are all good. So let's talk about uh, the game. Let's talk about how, actually, before we go into the kind of, to deep dive into the game, let's talk about what this victory means. Now, in a lot of people's eyes, it's a significant victory because it actually propels us into fourth position, the position that we want to ultimately finish up in the position that has been set as a target uh, amongst us as fans for where we believe Arsenal could finish this season. Brilliant. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obviously delighted, but I'm still not in a place yet where I'm going to get carried away. I've got to be honest, that's me. Um, I've talked throughout the course of the season about the fact that I have reservations about this side still, even though I've been super um, positive about Mikel Arteta, about the, uh, you know, about the development of this team, about this group moving forward, about how much we've come along in the last 18 months or so. There is still a part of me that is nervous about finishing in the top four. I've got, um, you know, I've got some mates who aren't Arsenal supporters who, you know, every time Arsenal win, keep going on at me, you know, well, surely now it's Arsenal's to throw away. Surely now it's Arsenal's to throw away. And to be honest, um, I, I don't want, um, uh, you know, I don't want to be in that position where I'm sitting here saying it's Arsenal's because just like we've talked about Man United and we've talked about Tottenham in the past and we've talked about them being capable of of providing or producing really poor performances, I know that Arsenal can do that as well. And, and so I'm sceptical of getting carried or, or wary is the right word of getting carried away. But my God, we're in a fucking good position now. I mean, to be in fourth place with those games still in hand. And remember, with the games in hand, they are difficult games. You know, they are really, really tough fixtures. They are really difficult games and games that, 
normally I wouldn't expect Arsenal to win. Like what I mean by that is, look, we can win at Spurs. We could beat Chelsea. You know, we could beat Liverpool, but they're not gimmies. You know, it's not like as if we've got three games in hand that you look at and you go, well, that should be nine points. They're difficult games in hand. And so to be in this position now, having not even played those games, that's why I'm starting to believe a little bit more and I'm starting to get more sort of optimistic about the whole thing. But even still, I know that this Arsenal team are capable of poor performances. I know this Arsenal team are capable of abject performances. And so I don't want to get too carried away. That's that's where I'm at after this. But as I say, it's a bloody good result. It's another really positive result. Good result for us in the Manchester derby as well. And so, of course, there are reasons uh, to be optimistic. Um, let me just uh, let me just uh, address a few of your comments because lots of you um, are buzzing, understandably, after uh, some of the goals that we saw today. Dean Diego says, Harry, no offence, you look like death. Get this done quickly and get some rest, bro. I feel like death as well. Um, those of you that watch and listen to the podcast regularly will know over the past week, I've not been too well. I'm still not 100%, but I was good enough to get myself down to Vicarage Road today. And and that's another good point to kind of raise before we dive into the, the tactics and the you know, the individual performances, the away support, the travelling support today was unbelievable. And I always say that the Arsenal away support is great because I've experienced it many, many times. But I haven't been to as many away games because of work, mainly this season. Um, uh, not as many as I'd like to get to. But having gone today and having been a part of it and been in there, I can say firsthand, it was brilliant. Um, singing from the first minute, stuck with the team throughout, even when we threatened to throw away what seemed like a really, really comfortable lead. The crowd are really behind this Arsenal team. They've really bought in to a lot of these players uh, as individuals and as a collective. And that's a really, really great place to be. But Dean, after this, I will be uh, lying on my couch with my feet up and I'll be watching the big game from Serie A tonight. Can't wait. Um, <laughs> let's see, uh, lots of comments about my hat. Um, I did wear this hat to the game. Uh, I, uh, what's it, what's the term? I had a bad hair day this morning. Oh, kind of, I, I could have rectified it if I wanted, but I couldn't be bothered and I really need a haircut. And then I get to that like, well, screw it point where I've, I've not got a haircut. So there's no point in wasting my time trying to sort out my hair. So the hat comes out and the flat cap came out today. Uh, Matt Tomo says, Harry, looking super British with that hat. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Abdi says, everything is rosy for now, but we still have a long way to go. Um, yeah, absolutely. But you're right. It is looking rosy, but there is a long way to go. Creambone says, loving that, Harry. Uh, very entourage. Lots of hat, hat comments. Um, Afsar says, uh, Harry, Xhaka nearly cost us the game. We'll come on to talk about um, individual performances in a minute. Look, he gave away a, a silly pass um, that put us in a bad position that obviously led to, to Watford pulling back their second goal. But I think there were other players in the team today that didn't play very well. And I don't seem to see, as is always the case, um, you know, I, I don't seem to see those names being brought up. And, and that's always interesting to me because there's always a, a certain group of players at Arsenal or, or nowadays, probably one or two that are always pointed to as the scapegoats, that are always pointed to as the weak links, even when that's perhaps somewhat unfair. I don't think Xhaka had a great game today. Uh, I, I don't. But I didn't think 
uh, he was bad either. But we'll come on to talk about individuals in a minute. Let's start off with the way we started the game. And I thought, actually, the start to the game wasn't all that great. Um, I thought that, you know, we, we looked a little bit sloppy at times. It was really clear to me that Watford had identified our left side as a bit of a problem or, or, or as a position that they could potentially exploit. Um, you look at, you know, Kieran Tierney, he's not looked 100% this season to me. And I'm I'm kind of in this weird place with Kieran Tierney where I think that he he's proven that he can perform at a so much higher level. And so when his performance is just average, we see it as disappointing and we see it as underwhelming. We expect a lot from this player. He took the captain's armband off of Lacazette today again when he was substituted, which suggests that in Mikel Arteta's eyes, he's the next guy in line. You know, there's a good chance that he gets the captaincy when Lacazette leaves. But it's, he's just been a little bit underwhelming and I thought he was a little bit underwhelming defensively. I, I, I've looked at him at times this season and gone, oh, he's not really had the impact that he used to have going forward. And then I've kind of mulled over it and thought about it and, and you know, really tried to kind of dive into the issue. And the thing that I come back to is, well, has this change to the role that Granite Xhaka plays, i.e., the fact that we don't now have a double defensive midfield pivot, does that mean that Kieran Tierney is being asked to be a little bit more conservative? And so he has lost that attacking edge. Maybe, um, maybe that could be part of it. But I think even defensively at times, he's looked a little bit suspect this season. And that's not something I ever thought I'd say, but it's there for me. I don't want to slag him off because, you know, I don't think you should slag players off when we've had uh, a good victory away from home. It's, you know, four on the bounce now. You know, it's it's a really good run that we're on and we should enjoy it. But I just look at Kieran and I looked at him in the opening stages of that game today and thought, you're not quite at it. And, and Watford have noticed that and Watford are getting at you. On the other side, I thought Cedric defended quite well for the most part, apart from you know, really early on when Watford put the ball in the back of the net, the goal was ruled out for offside. I thought Cedric fell asleep in that particular scenario. And I thought that he and Bukayo Saka just had a bit of miscommunication from time to time, playing passes behind Saka or Saka wanting him to make a run uh, beyond him and it not really happening. But again, overall, Cedric, who we've criticised and we've slaughtered and we've slagged off repeatedly, I think had another decent showing uh, at right back for Arsenal. And look, Everybody knows that Takahiro Tomiyasu is the guy. Everybody knows that he's a much better defender. Everybody would prefer to see him play there week in, week out. But in his absence, Cedric is doing a pretty decent job, I've got to say. Um, moving into the heart of the defence, I thought, again, we started sloppily. And it was one of those games that we kind of we looked like we needed a bit of time to settle into. And I, and I talked about this on the pod, the preview pod. The problem that Arsenal are having right now, you know, on the one hand, you're saying we've got lots of time between games and we've got these breaks and it's doing us the world of good. Actually, it disrupts our rhythm. And it means that we do start games, in my opinion, not quite at the level that we should be. So I, I was disappointed um, with the way that Gabriel... Uh, and White started the game. There was that one instance, wasn't there, where Cedric played a ball 
back across the penalty box. And I probably thought he should have played it to Aaron Ramsdale onto his right foot to clear first time. He didn't. He played it to Gabriel. Gabriel took a, a, a touch and then tried to get rid of it. And, and it all broke down. And we ended up giving a free kick away just a few seconds later on the edge of the box in a really, really dangerous position. So I think there was just that lack of sharpness in the early stages. And, and it could be said of both Gabriel and Ben White, I thought, at centre-back. Ramsdale too. Um, listen, I, I love Aaron Ramsdale and I love what he represents. And I love the way he takes pressure off of the defence. Uh, I love the way he, you know, shit houses, lets the ball run uh, as far as he possibly can, sometimes before picking it up just to frustrate and just to irritate opponents. I love all of that stuff about Aaron Ramsdale. I've always said that Ramsdale has a mistake in him because of the way he plays and that that overconfidence at some point or another is going to cost him. And I thought again today he was extremely fortunate that that didn't happen. Um, you know, there was uh, some poor clearances. There was that moment where he came out of the goal in the second half and gave the ball away in the left back position and he then had to turn and scramble back and luckily we were able to get bodies back and we were able to deal with the situation before anything dramatic happened but there are you know I've said it before about Ramsdale there are signs that you know at some point or another he's going to get caught out with one of these moments and does his positives outweigh that risk yeah I think overall but I'd still like to see him take less of some of those risks because some of them are great in terms of you know, try a difficult pass. There is a risk that you give it away, but there's also the reward factor if you manage to break lines and get your team off on an attack. But some of the things he does, I think, well, this is a risk from which there is no reward. And and I, I want him to just tone that down a little bit. Don't want to take the character out of him because it's really, really important, but it just needs to be toned down a touch in my personal opinion. And I think we saw signs of that again today. Thomas Partey in midfield, I thought was really solid again, really good. He's really starting to look like a Rolls Royce of a midfielder. It's not an easy task that he's been given in there because we keep talking about Xhaka and Odegaard and the, the, the freedom that they're given in those roles to pull left, to pull right in Odegaard's case and to squeeze high up the pitch. But Thomas Partey, I thought, held his ground brilliantly, looked sharp again, looked fit, looked strong. Um, came close to scoring in the first half. Uh, a couple of awful efforts from Thomas Partey as well, which we're used to now. Uh, I, I, I did think after Mikel Arteta had spoken about him and his shooting ability in the press conference going into this game, I did think, is this going to be, um, you know, the week where we see uh, Thomas Partey smash run into the top corner, but he's saving it for Spurs away. Uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, moving further forward, I thought Xhaka, as I said at the top of the show, was not at his best today. Um, had a couple of sloppy moments, but I still think overall did a good enough job. Odegaard was sublime on the other side. And we'll come on to talk about him a little bit more when we go into the goals, because he played a massive part in those goals, in all three of those goals. Uh, Martin Odegaard, tempo dictator, um, you know, a lot of the time does the simple thing, but does it quickly and does it decisively and, and really helps us in the build-up. Uh, really clever, sometimes too clever for his teammates in terms of some of the passes, some of the flicks, some of the tricks. Um, but also an incredibly hard worker and someone who really sets the tone for the team. And being at the game and, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know if this was picked up by the TV cameras. I haven't watched the game back 
uh, yet other than the highlights. But when we uh, conceded that second goal, Martin Odegaard was kind of going around and, and really geeing people up and saying, you know, come on, let's lift it again. Because it did feel like Arsenal went into this kind of, well, we've won the game mode and 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 just dropped off that little bit. So I thought Odegaard, brilliant. Saka was excellent as well. Um, it's close for me in terms of man of the match and it's between Saka and Odegaard for me. I thought they were both brilliant. I thought Saka was a threat every time he got forward. Obviously scored a really, really good goal as well. Uh, lots and lots to be pleased about when it comes to his performance. On the left, Martinelli, look, brilliant goal. But overall, I didn't think he was very good. I've got to be honest. And I, I don't think he'd have been in the team had Emil Smith-Rowe been available. Of course, Emil Smith-Rowe ruled out with COVID uh, in the lead-up to this game. He and Takahiro Tomiyasu, the absences today. I think that Martinelli is still a little bit raw in, in his overall game when playing on that left-hand side. Goal threat, of course, always has been. From the day he arrived at Arsenal, that's been something you could say of him. I just thought with Martinelli today... In the first half, particularly, I thought him and Tierney as a combination really struggled. I, I didn't think they linked up very well. I didn't think they defended very well as a as a unit. Um, and I thought that there were a couple of occasions where he got into the final third in the first half where he was a little bit wasteful. Not to knock the guy because he scored a brilliant goal, put in a great shift for the team. And, and I always enjoy seeing him score goals. It, it just comes so naturally to him. It's brilliant. But I didn't think he was at his best. I didn't think he was at his best against Wolves either. But I think he's kind of in a place where, you know, he's having to play from that left-hand side because of the fact that, you know, we're without Emil Smith-Rowe at the minute. You could argue that Pepe could come into the side and that Saka could play on the left or that Pepe even could go straight out onto the left-hand side. But it's clearly something that, you know, Mikel Arteta is unsure about. When he brought Pepe on today, uh, for Martinelli. I wondered if Pepe was going to go straight out to the left-hand side. He didn't initially. He came straight out to the right. But there was a couple of times in that second half where Arteta changed it, um, where Saka came back out to the right, Pepe went to the left and vice versa, which was um, which was interesting to see. But the fact that he does keep chopping and changing, it suggests to me that he's not convinced about Pepe from the left. And so uh, Martinelli was the guy to start. Uh, in, of course, Emil Smith-Rowe's absence. He might have started anyway because he has started uh, from that position so often, uh, you know, since, what, early December. But it's um, it's interesting because Martinelli's goal will give him lots and lots of confidence, but I don't think Mikel Arteta will be entirely pleased with what he saw, not just from Martinelli, but from our entire left side. I thought, as I said, Tierney was a little bit below par. I thought Xhaka was... Not bad, but not at his best. And I thought that Martinelli was the same. And and so what you end up with is is a whole side of your team that's struggling a little bit. And I think Mikel will will have spotted that for sure. Uh, moving on to Lacazette, um, obviously uh, didn't get a goal himself, but uh, played a massive part in the goal that Saka scored and a big part in the goal that Martinelli scored as well. And I remember when the goal went in, you know, there was a conversation going on around me in the stand about you know, get Lacazette off, you know, what does he bring to this team? He brings absolutely nothing. He's just walking around up up the top there and he's not involved and he's not offering us anything. And and when that goal went in, I just remember screaming, that's what he fucking does. That's what Lacazette does. And, you know, 
he is a, a real unsung hero in this team at the moment. He, he really, really is. So, yeah, um, you know, lots to lots to be pleased about overall. Um, let's talk about the goals individually. But before we do that, if you could hit that like button, it would really, really help. There's more than enough of you watching. Uh, we're only on uh, 72 likes at the moment. Let's try and get that up uh, to as high as possible. Uh, but yeah, if you could do that, it would really, really help. If you could subscribe to the channel as well, that would be great. As we continue our journey towards 20,000 subscribers, we're hoping to get there by the end of the season. Maybe we'll get a 20K plus top four party come the end of the season. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, but please do hit the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. It really, really does help. Let's start with that first goal. And, you know, Martin Odegaard will get a lot of praise and a lot of credit for the finish. And it was a brilliant finish. But that flick on the turn to release Bukayo Saka down the right-hand side in the first place was unbelievable. That's a guy playing with confidence. That's a guy at the top of his game. And when he's got players in the ilk of Bukayo Saka, who are clearly on the same wavelength, you know, the possibilities are endless, you know, and, and the two of them can cause anybody problems down that side. Now, I, you know, a lot of people say, you know, people that do YouTube or people that do podcasts, a lot of the time when they're watching the team, they're looking for things that suit their narrative. You know, they they have an agenda. That's a, a common phrase that is used. And, you know, that for me, a lot of this, you know, a, a lot of what I've seen from Arsenal is, you know, you could say fueling what's been labelled as my agenda, which is, you know, that Mikel Arteta is the right man to take us forward, that Martin Odegaard was a brilliant signing at £30 million, that the process is showing... Um, you know, some credibility It is showing something that makes me want to be on board and makes me want to be, you know, all engaged in it. You know, what I would say is I'm not going to sit here throughout the rest of the season if things do go well and touch wood they do saying, I told you so, or, you know, you doubted this manager, you doubted these players, and now they're showing everybody that, Actually, we were wrong to doubt them and we were wrong to question them and we were wrong to criticise them. No, because he, there were points where I wobbled. There were points where I weren't sure whether this manager was the right guy, whether these players were going to be capable of elevating us to the next level. But what this has done and, and almost for me to, to kind of see what was happening or, or to believe in what Mikel Arteta was trying to do, what that's done to me is made me even more desperate to see Arsenal succeed than I was before. And, and I didn't think that was possible, but it clearly was. Because what happens is when you're watching a team that you feel is going nowhere, when you're watching a team that you don't feel too much of a connection to, too much of, a, of an affiliation to, you end up becoming slightly apathetic and you don't really know it until you then find yourself in the position again where you're totally engaged. And I am totally engaged on this team. I love every single one of those players. I think they're all brilliant. I love their characters. I love their enthusiasm. I love the fact that they fight. I love the fact that they would, you know, would die for the cause. I, I love it. It's brilliant. Not really die, but, you know, hypothetically speaking. And the fact that Mikel Arteta and this project, if you want to call it that, has got me feeling that way 
to me is something I'm grateful for. And, and I feel that I owe even more support to them now because they have rekindled a, a flame in the relationship between myself and my club that let's be honest was dwindling, you know, because it was, you know, two eighth place finishes, um, you know, years and years of issues before that, no real plan, never really moving in the right direction. You know, you get to a point where you're kind of like, well, I've got to stop letting this affect me in my day to day life. I've got to stop being so emotionally invested or, or, you know, try as best as I can to not let it drag me down. But then this manager comes along and it's been difficult at the beginning. You know, the first year and a half were really, really tough. The second year and a half have been very good. Um, You know, it's. It's 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 something that I'm really thankful for because, as I say, there were times during Emery's tenure, during the back end of Wenger's tenure, where the apathy was not fully take it hadn't fully taken over, but it had started to creep in, and so the fact that we've now got that connection again, and you can tell there is that connection. You only need to be in an Arsenal crowd nowadays, whether that be at Emirates Stadium or in the away end. You can feel that that connection is there again. You can feel that there is uh, that love has kind of re-sparked again. And, you know, to me, that is something that we have to thank Mikel Arteta and this group of players for. So what does that do? It increases your desire to see them succeed. And and it's brilliant. And it's a great place to be. I said I was going to talk about the goals and then I ended up starting talking about love stories and apathies and all things like that. But let's get back on track. Um, you, you get what I'm trying to say, though, right? You 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 fall in love with your team again. You were always in love with your club, but now you're in love with your club and your team again. And I don't think we have been in this position for some time now. So that's, to me, more than results, the biggest indicator of the fact that things are going well at Arsenal at this moment in time. Talking about the goals, I, I touched on the first goal. I touched on the, you know, the combination play between Odegaard and Saka and, and the way that Odegaard finished that so calmly. It was brilliant. And the second goal, um, you know, again, brilliant link up this time between Lacazette and Saka. But that all comes out of Saka pressing, harrying, um, closing down, closing down Tom Cleverley, winning the ball. It comes to Laka, flicks it into the path of Saka, whose finish was unreal, real top quality finish that lethal into the top corner and you know you're you're kind of sitting there and you're going well yeah you know we've had the quality to finish this off in the final third but it's all come from this new attitude this new uh, aggression that we found that sometimes that aggression has been a problem for us sometimes that aggression has been why we've ended up with red cards and and been down to 10 men at times and then faced uphill struggles and then faced uphill battles. But I think that aggression, if we can channel it in the right way, like Bukayo Saka did in that specific example, is something that gives us a much greater chance of winning football matches. And you see it all over the pitch now, not just in the final third. You see Arsenal players, uh, you know, working harder. You see them with a willingness and a desire to win the ball back as soon as possible. And it's great. It, it really is. And the third goal was as good a team goal as I've seen from the Arsenal in years. It was brilliant. I think the, the last one I saw that was that good. Do you remember Aaron Ramsey at Fulham, maybe? I'm sure there have been some others in there, but the ones that spring to mind. That was just such a brilliant goal. The quick thinking to take the quick throw. 
the ball into Odegaard, who just cushions it beautifully across. He kind of, what Odegaard does is he doesn't take the sting out of the ball. He, he, he just helps it on. It requires such a deft touch to just help the ball on into Lacazette, who just cushions it down. And the finish from Martinelli, unbelievable. And, and I think at that point, you know, when we went 3-1 up, I thought we continued to play really well for a, a bit longer. And you were sitting there going, the, the fourth is, is surely going to come. You know, surely the fourth is imminent. It wasn't to be the case. You know, we hit the post through Eddie and Ketia. Had a couple of other moments where we carved out opportunities, but maybe overplayed Odegaard a little bit guilty of that. Lacazette had a couple of sort of semi-chances that he spooned that, you know, he really should have done better from. But I thought at that point the game was won, I've got to be honest. And then Mikel Arteta made the substitutions that he made. He he took Martinelli off. He brought, um, of course, Nicolas Pepe on. He brought Eddie Nketiah on for Alexander Lacazette. And there were some people in the stadium, you know, around me saying, well, this, the substitutions are what has let Watford back into the game after Sissoko scored. And the substitutions were arrogant. And I, and I don't see it like that, you know. And, and I think... You know, sometimes people say stuff because of in the moment, the emotion just gets the better of them and gets on top of them. But I thought that the substitutions were the right substitutions. I thought the game, I thought the game was done as long as we didn't do anything silly from a defensive standpoint. But we did. I thought we defended that situation really, really poorly. Um, the first Watford goal, I didn't think we did enough to prevent the cross coming in from the right. Um, and, and clearly, Cucho Hernandez should have been under greater attention, um, you know, when when he rose acrobatically to score the way he did. Brilliant goal. That, by the way, that's probably the goal of the day by a, a quite some distance, even though I've waxed lyrical about Arsenal's. But yeah, you know, we just, we just seem to... I, I talked about that sloppiness at the start of the game, that we looked as though we'd gotten over and then it started to creep in again in the latter stages. And that was really, really frustrating for me. You know, I... I thought that Ben White could have done... Like, a lot of people talk about Xhaka and the fact that he played that ball across the pitch and that's where Watford sprung the attack from. But I really did think that Ben White could have done a little bit better. And I thought there were a couple of moments with Ben White today where that sloppiness crept in. There are days where people play balls over the top of our midfield and you see Ben White's kind of radar go off and him shuffle across and just get there ahead of the defender. Why? Because... Not because he's quicker, um, get their head of the attacker, sorry. Not because he's super quick, not because he's super strong, but because he's quickness of thought, because he's read it before anybody else and therefore he's on his bike before anybody else can adjust and move. And, you know, there were a couple of times where I thought he was a little bit lackadaisical today. Those balls coming over the top and he didn't make that move early, didn't make that move quickly. And then he allowed the attacker to bring the ball down and then he has to defend a one-on-one -on -one situation. So I just thought, with him and Gabriel and Ramsdale at times, maybe Tierney too, that, you know, that, I don't know if I want to call it complacency. Sloppiness is probably the better term. It just crept in from time to time. And we ended up making a game that we were really comfortable in, nervy. And we ended up having to bring Rob Holding on and doing that whole stick him in the middle of the defence thing because we're about to deal with an aerial onslaught. But it's just... Little things, you know, little things that we still need to tighten up on. And I think had I looked at that performance today, that defensive performance and said, well, I've seen this for 
two months now that something's got to change. I, I would have been more pissed off about it. I just I come away from, from Vicarage Road to kind of summarise my thoughts with a feeling of it wasn't per- perfect. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Defensively, it was bad at times. We were vulnerable. We were sloppy. We were asleep. But we scored three brilliant goals on the road and we've taken three points on another really crucial weekend. And I didn't know at that point that Manchester United were going to lose, but I had a pretty good idea that they weren't going to win because, you know, going away to Manchester City is is never easy. But now that that's come to fruition as well, now that Manchester United have been beaten and beaten well, you sit here and you say, can I really get frustrated? I think all I want to see in those situations is that the manager's aware of it, is that the manager understands that issue and will now be working to rectify it ahead of the next game. And Mikel Arteta, I listened to his interview on, on Five Live on the drive home. Uh, he did point that out. He did notice the the sloppiness, the, the fact that we did switch off on a couple of occasions. I'm sure, you know, he didn't mention individuals in the interview, but I'm sure he knows exactly who the culprits were. And I'm sure he'll be working to address that. And he'll be reminding the players that that can't keep happening. You know, we got away with it today. And so let's not make a great big song and dance about it, but it hasn't gone unnoticed. There has been a little bit of sloppiness in the last couple of games defensively, not throughout the games, but in certain periods of the games. And at this level, in this league, that can be enough to cost you points. Um, And we don't want... Look, I mean, Watford are are dreadful. They're down in 19th in the Premier League. They're going to get relegated. Yet they were able to work out that we we were not at our best on the left-hand side. They exposed that space twice, you know, for both goals. And and they had the quality in Cucho Hernandez and Sissoko on the day to take those opportunities when they came along. It just proves that you can't afford to keep giving those opportunities away in this league because we will not score three every single week. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's not something to dwell on. It's not something to put a downer on what was a, a very significant win, but it is something that hasn't gone unnoticed and needs to be addressed. I want to say a big thank you uh, to Russell Wilbanks, who's just signed up as a YouTube member. Thank you so much, mate. If you go over to the community tab, you will see uh, that there is a link to our Discord server. Come along, uh, join us. We talk all things Arsenal in there. I keep you guys up to date on the show and uh, we collate our questions for the members mailbag episodes as well. Uh, So, Russell, thank you so much, mate, for your support. It is very much appreciated. Make sure you come over in there and join us. Uh, A couple of quick things uh, to remind you of as well. If you haven't hit the like button just yet, what on earth are you waiting for? Make sure you hit that like button. Uh, Let's try and get up to as close to a couple of hundred likes as possible. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new. And of course, uh, don't forget to check out our new partners, Football Prizes, who are currently uh, ticketing off a signed and custom framed Ben White football boot. You can enter for just £5.95. All you need to do is click on the link in the description. It will take you straight there. All the rules and regulations are there and details of the draw. But for £5.95, you want to be in this. You've got to be in it to win it. Remember, a Ben White signed and custom framed uh, football boot. 
that would make one hell of a gift uh, for someone. So please do uh, get involved and check it out. And we thank, of course, Football Prizes for their kind sponsorship. Okay, let's get some of your questions for the remainder of the show. We're going to do uh, five, ten minutes of Q&A because I do want to uh, jump off and get onto that uh, Milan-Napoli game because I think it's going to be brilliant. Uh, so I will... Uh, be jumping off in a few minutes time but get me a few of your questions over and we'll address uh, some of those before we go let's take this one uh, from Luke Williams do you think we should buy two strikers in the summer one that holds the ball up like lacquer and one that plays off the shoulder it's a really interesting point um I, I think that we do clearly play with something like and it isn't exactly but something like um a false nine. But I do think you need to have options. I do think you need to hold, have alternatives. I think when it comes to playing off the shoulder, I think that that's something that Gabriel Martinelli can do. And I think that that's something that to a degree, Nicolas Pepe could probably do as well. So on that basis, um, I, I kind of think that I would prefer to see Arsenal go and spend the big money on the striker that is going to start and play week in, week out, than split the funds and end up with two average strikers, if that makes sense. Um, I think the priority has got to be your first team. I know we're trying to build out a little bit now because we've trimmed the squad right back and there have been a lot of concerns about squad depth and, and I get all of that. But I think in order to build the right way, you do need to strip it back and you need to focus on the first team for, you know, if we had Lacazette still, if he was staying, maybe my view on this would be a little bit different, but there is no indication at this moment in time that he is. Uh, so I think, you know, I think if we're going to go and spend big money on a striker in the summer, I'd rather that we brought one top quality one in um, as opposed to splitting that to then bring in two players. If we've got the money to go and bring two top players in, great, let's do it. Uh, but looking at those recent financial results, I'm not sure uh, that will be the case. Um, Sekaya says, thoughts on Arteta playing ball boy in the build-up to Martinelli's goal? Well, we talk a lot about managers and their energy from the touchline and how that is transmitted onto the pitch and how that kind of, you know, really helps the players. And I think that things like that, like getting the ball to your guy quickly so he can get on with the front, and and also, I was watching Arteta quite a bit today. You know, when he's on the sidelines, it's always, come on, come on, come on. It's always, you know, he's always trying to get that message about intensity and tempo across. And I think it does help. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, I'm not going to give him an assist or anything like that. But, um, you know, it that was indicative. That, that little moment that you saw there is indicative of the message that he tries to get across all the time. Uh, let's see, um, Christoph, uh, says, what's the trap game in your mind the rest of the way, Harry, especially as we're playing the bottom three at the end. So basically, where do I think Arsenal could slip up in the race for the top four? Well, it's interesting, Christoph, because I look at this and, you know, as I've said, I, I don't want to get too carried away. I don't want to let, uh, get ahead of myself. The, the thing that worries me is that, you know, we've got some games that are coming up within a really short period of time. I think we play with a lot of intensity at the moment and a lot of energy. And as we've uh, already touched on, we don't really have that deep of a squad. And I think that that could be a problem. 
Um, so I think intensity could drop. I think tiredness could come into it. But also, the games in hand that we're talking about, you know, Liverpool, we could quite easily lose that. We could quite easily get beaten at Stamford Bridge. And then we could easily lose at Tottenham as well because it's a derby and anything can happen. But So the point I'm trying to make here is that a, a sequence of bad results could not only damage our position in the table, but it could damage our confidence and our mentality. And that's my worry. You know, one of the things that we've been better at doing this season is stopping those dips turning into rot. You've heard me say this a million and one times, but it's really important between now and the end of the season that we we do that as well. I, you know, I, I'm not convinced that just yet that this Arsenal team have progressed as much as we think. You know, they have progressed. There's no doubt about that. But we're in the running for the top four, 50% because of how much we've progressed and 50% because of how bad some of the teams in and around us have been as well. And so because I see it like that, I still am wary of the fact that there are abject performances in there somewhere. It's not me, uh, you know, I, I don't look at the fixtures and say that's where we're going to fuck it up or that's where it's going to cost us. I, I genuinely think that this team are just not quite at the level that we think they are. And while it's great that we're riding the wave and, and picking up these points and results, bad performances are not that far around the corner. So I'm just a little bit reluctant to get carried away at this point. Uh, big thank you to Saeed Abdullah. Wow. Thank you so much, man, for your very, very kind uh, donation. Honestly, very much appreciated. He says, how are you, Harry? I hope you're in good health. I've been better, man, but thank you. Uh, he says, what did I tell you about Odegaard? I'm just happy to see some people proven wrong because some of them disrespected Odegaard. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I said it to you uh, earlier on. I said it to you guys that for me, it's um, it, it, this kind of desire uh, to see this team succeed. And the reason perhaps some of the apathy that maybe started to creep into my feelings towards Arsenal in recent seasons uh, has disappeared again is because of that burning desire to inside me to see a lot of the people that were mouthing off about how badly the team's managed and how bad the recruitment was in the summer. A lot of my kind of motivation is to see them proven wrong, not because I don't like them as individuals or anything like that. It's nothing to do with that, but because I think that they were well wide of the mark uh, when it comes to football matters. And so I hope that they are proven wrong. Um, or say again, he says, so essentially you do not believe that the team has a chance, right? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that this team doesn't have a chance. This team has the best chance of all of the teams that are competing for the top four or the fourth place. I genuinely do believe that. I think we are the favourites now. But favourites don't always win. Favourites don't always get over the line. And a lot can change in football and very, very quickly. So I, I think that we we should do it and we can do it. But if we were to self-destruct in the next three weeks, I'd be upset. I'd be frustrated. I'd be angry. I'd be disappointed. But would it come as a complete and total surprise to me? No, because we've still got a really young group of players. And we're playing in a very competitive league where shock results happen pretty much on a weekly basis. So that's that's where I'm at at this moment in time. 
Okay, guys, I am going to leave it there. But thank you all so, so much uh, for tuning in. It is uh, very, very much appreciated. Uh, make sure that you hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, help us on the road towards 20,000. Make sure you check out Football Prizes. Make sure you check out 90min.com as well. Uh, I'll be back uh, on Monday with some more Arsenal-related content. We'll continue to react to the weekend's action and, uh, and and try and draw uh, some conclusions as to how the remainder of the season might pan out. That would be interesting, won't it? But I'll be back very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening if you're watching us live. And if you're listening on the audio, happy Monday. Come on, you gunners. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.